the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another edition of Colorado Issues. I'm your host, Deanna Williams, and Colorado Issues is a show that highlights the various organizations in our state that are making a difference. And today we are going to explore Laridan. It's an organization that provides services for those with disabilities, and I am sure there's so much more to learn about. That's why we're talking with Doug McNeil, who is the organization's CEO. Welcome to Colorado Issues, Doug. Well, thank you, Deanna. It's a pleasure to be here. Let's start with the history of Laridan. Where did it start? By whom and why? It's a great story. Because we're talking about the 1940s, obviously very different social and cultural norms. And here was a humble postal worker and his wife who had two sons, Larry and Donald, hence Larinan. Oh, excellent. And Larry and Donald were rejected by the the local school system. Oh, they had special needs? They had special needs because uh, they were children with intellectual and developmental disabilities. Mm -hmm. And the only options at that time were to institutionalize those two boys in places like Grand Junction or Colorado Springs or Pueblo. Mm. And um, the family was unwilling to do that. And and Joe Calabrese, Joe and Elizabeth Calabrese, decided that if the school system wouldn't provide opportunities for their children, they would provide learning and growth opportunities for those two boys. And they started in their home. Mm-hmm. They quickly outgrew that because of word of mouth. There were other similar children with intellectual and developmental disabilities, and they took them in. Really? And those children all lived there, and they taught them really innovative ways to uh, keep learning and growing so that they could develop uh, not only the academic skills, but really the social skills, the independent skills, the self-direction skills so that they could function at a higher level in society. You mentioned the cultural differences. I can't imagine what it was like in the 1940s. I think in the 1940s, as a society, we just turned our back mm-hmm. on them. And because they were, quote, different, uh, then our approach in the 1940s was to send them somewhere else. The thought was if they were institutionalized, that perhaps they could receive services that they couldn't otherwise. But really, it was also about just uh, getting them out of our our sight and getting them out of our way. Mm. And so after that first year, when they outgrew their home, they and um, the Colorado Elks Association uh, together bought uh, uh, a building where we live in today. Matter of fact, I'm officed in the 1926 Globeville Elementary School. Oh, wow. (laughs) And so over almost seven decades, now we have just short of a 10-acre campus. We have 21 buildings and 14 programs starting at early intervention uh, and and encompassing every generation through seniors um, and serving 600 individuals every single day, children and adults. I want to talk to you more about those programs. So Laridan isn't like a residential facility where individuals live. 
right? It's more of a community-centered outreach. It grew up residential. Okay. And uh, matter of fact, uh, in the early 1940s, uh, Joe and Elizabeth housed the kids. But about 30 years ago, I think there was a fundamental understanding that institutionalizing them in a residential setting wasn't providing uh, greater value. That, in fact, we could spend fewer resources, fewer dollars, but end up with uh, better outcomes through day programming. Mm -hmm. And so today, um, there's been a transformation from residential to day. And I would argue that that our programming today encompasses not just day programs, but community-based programs. Um, The 600 individuals don't all come to the Laredon campus every day. Uh, matter of fact, for our early intervention program, we probably have a hundred children there. Mm-hmm. We go to them, and we go and we greet them not only in their homes but in community settings like libraries, mm-hmm. where we're offering different types of programs and introducing them to other children with and without disabilities, so that they have the same exposure to life that you and I and our children do. And I was going to ask you how many people are taking advantage of your services here in Colorado. So roughly 600. 600. And then nationwide? um, Mostly from across the state of Colorado. Okay. And we're largely represented by the Front Range, but it's not unusual for us to have children, for example, or or adults who may be living in a foster home environment here on the Front Range, but actually uh, are coming from places like Durango or Steamboat. Uh, or Colorado Springs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I know that you know your administration must have special expertise and things like that. How are the health professionals at Laredon trained? Well, it's more. Uh, you know, there is a confusion about what we do. A, a lot of people think it's just healthcare, and while all of our individuals, including our staff, you and I, uh, require healthcare services, mm-hmm. and indeed we have a nursing staff and a weekly physician clinic. But the services we're providing are not healthcare denominated. The services we're providing are tools, social skills, uh, work skills, so that they can learn to function outside of the Laredon campus and outside of our programs, even though our programs take them daily into community activities. Mm-hmm. For example, of the, th- of the 14 programs that we have at Laredon, three of them are employment programs. And... So on a daily basis, we have 150 adults and older children who either volunteer or go to work every single day. That's wonderful. And so we are teaching part of our services are teaching people how to get a job, how to develop a resume, how to interview, mm-hmm. how, how to train to perform that job and keep that job. How exciting for them. It is exciting. That's wonderful. Now, you're working with people with autism and with behavioral issues, right, or no? Exactly. As a matter of fact, we we serve individuals um, who are on the autism spectrum. Mm -hmm. But we also serve individuals who, um, for example, might have cerebral palsy. Mm -hmm. Um, Our individuals uh, are generally uh, at a lower cognitive level but a higher behavioral level. Mm -hmm. And it's, and it's more than just intellectual and developmental disabilities. I mean, we all come in complex packages. So we have individuals with intellectual and developmental disabilities who may have significant physical disabilities, medical disabilities, mental disabilities, and behavioral disabilities. So our plans, individual plans for each child and each adult, uh, embrace the the characteristics of that individual, as well as the needs and goals uh, for each child 
in each adult. Mm-hmm. And how do you go about with the family, I presume, to establish those goals for each individual? Well, the family is very important in this process, but each child and adult also has a case manager. Mm-hmm. And uh, in Colorado, there is a, a system that provides case management that helps uh, uh, input I- individuals into the system. It helps assess their needs. It assigns them a case manager. And then the case manager works with the family and other professionals in IDD to determine uh, what the individual plan should encompass, what kinds of services are required. And then, in a sense, they bid this out to uh, organizations like Lairdon. I see. And, and I see. trying to determine a good fit for this child or adult uh, with the provider organization so that they can get everything that they need. Mm-hmm. And are you partnering with the state agencies in advocating other programs through the state? Are you sending them ideas that can improve the life for those who can't go to Lairdon? Well, I think it, it truly is a partnership, and it takes uh, not only government and state agencies, um, but it takes providers. And in Colorado, we have these entities uh, called community-centered boards, and they really serve – in addition to being a provider, they also serve as a as a case manager. And so mm-hmm. all of us have to work together to make sure that first individuals can have ingress in, into the system. And then once they get in the system, in a timely manner, they receive uh, the specific set of services that are required. Because, you know, unlike healthcare, we're not talking about uh, an episodic uh, short-term acute episode. We're talking about long-term chronic needs. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so in general, the adults whom we serve at Lairdon um, will be with us for five or ten years. The children will be with us for four or five years. And one of our metrics, for example, Deanna, with the kids is um, how we can graduate them mm-hmm. back to their own home, own home school district. And uh, this over the last two years, we have graduated 21 children back to their own home school district. And we serve 17 school districts across Colorado, include all of all of the largest, you know, DPS, Jeffco, Cherry Creek. Um, and so and then we serve small ones like Byers, Colorado. Mm-hmm. So uh, one of our success metrics is our ability to successfully graduate these kids back to their home school district where they can be successful, not only on a behavioral level, but also on an academic level. That's fabulous. And so out of the 21 kids that we have recently graduated over the past two years, not one has had to return. So our recidivism rate Mm -hmm. is zero. I'm so excited to be talking to you about this because there's so much possibility here. Let me ask you this, and this might be completely coming out of left field. Does Lariden work with the Anschutz organization in any way? I know the hospital there has a brain injury center and and other technologies that they were trying to implement. Our relationship with Anschutz is mostly with their foundation. In Colorado, uh, all of our um, adults and children are really served through the Medicaid system through a series of waivers. Mm -hmm. Now, the children are support in our school. The children are supported through the Department of Education, but it's all government funding. 85% 85% of our revenues come from the government in some form, either through the Department of Education or through a series of Medicaid waivers that are specific to the needs of adults with uh, intellectual and developmental disabilities. The other 15% comes from philanthropy. 
And so we work closely with a number of foundations across the Front Range, including the Anschutz Foundation. Now, some of our adults and children may need services beyond what we as a provider can furnish them. And sometimes those may be acute services where they could be hospitalized at Children's Hospital, for example. Or they may go to a program at the University of Colorado. But generally, those are shorter-term services, and then the children are returned to uh, our sets of program, uh, our set of programming once they have uh, achieved the the outcomes, for example, a health outcome that was desired. I want to dive into a little bit more about how you receive your funding and how other people can contribute to that. But first, I want to hear more about the programs that you mentioned. Tell me about the Ticket to Work program. What is it? How did it start? Tell me some stories. Well, Ticket to Work is one of the 14 programs we have. Uh, and three, again, three of them are related to employment, as is Ticket to Work. And Ticket to Work is really a Social Security disability program. These are uh, adults who have suffered some form of an injury, perhaps a traumatic injury that might have resulted from an accident. And they're going through a rehabilitative process, but they have a desire to return to work. So we uh, have an individual coach for these uh, adults, and uh, we provide uh, coaching and counseling. We help them develop resumes. We help them search for a job. Uh, We help them train for that position and um, importantly, we help them learn how to keep that job. Mm-hmm. So generally, their outcomes are um, very high, and um, they can be very productive uh, members of our workforce. And, and we have uh, today over 60 individuals in that program alone. Mm-hmm. What companies are you working with, and how can companies who want to help those adults and individuals uh, thrive? How can they get involved? Really, uh, we work with every industry uh, across the front range. It is a program that because it's a Social Security disability program, these individuals have a case manager. Mm -hmm. And so if companies are interested, we are at www.laridan.org. And uh, clearly, you can reach us uh, through that program. And then we would um, put uh, interested organizations and companies in contact with uh, our staff who run our three uh, employment programs. Mm -hmm. There's an individual employment program that has another 60-some individuals where they have – each of them has a coach. Uh, These are not Social Security disability individuals. These are individuals with intellectual and developmental disabilities. We have another program through uh, the Department of of Vocational Rehab, and uh, they work in individual uh, employment opportunities, or they work in groups, um, like the Denver Zoo, for example. Really? They could be part of a work team there. Uh But importantly, we are placing individuals in work opportunities where their colleagues are other individuals with and without disabilities. Mm -hmm. So just like you and I, they enjoy a full slice of the American landscape. <laughs> That's wonderful. Are there any special standards that these companies have to meet? Well, they have. there are special guidelines in terms of uh, the work requirements for individuals. It all depends on their um, abilities to perform a certain function, and sometimes they will tailor the job. Uh, so that the individual can be successful in uh, in accomplishing those jobs. In the next couple of weeks, we're going to have a uh, reception in the uh, in the late afternoon for over sixty some individuals who have employment coaches, uh-huh. and um, probably half of them 
will uh, will have been at some point in their work career an employee of the month. And I'm thinking of a particular individual who works at Trader Joe's on Colorado Boulevard. And uh, this this young guy, uh, he bags groceries. He stocks uh, supplies not only in their storage areas but also in the aisles. Uh, he assists uh, Trader Joe guests in uh, carrying their uh, their groceries out to their car. And in fact, he, he's so good at it. Trader Joe customers come in the door and they ask for him specifically. And what's his name? His name is Joseph. Joseph, we want to give a shout yeah, out to right. Joseph at Trader so Joe's. <laughs> he's uh, and he's a wonderful young man. And um, it's it's so rewarding to see these guys and gals be so successful in their work environment. Absolutely. And when we have this reception, we have it every year. Um, his manager and other managers will also come, and they're really proud of our staff because. Our individuals are so loyal and they just love going to work and they feel great about the fact that they are being productive and many of them feel great about the fact that they are tax-paying citizens, <laughs> that they in, – in a way that they feel like they are paying their fair share and they're productive and making a difference – for example, uh, in the experience that customers may have at Trader Joe's. Well, we can learn more from them, Absolutely. We? <laughs> well, tell me about the outreach called FIT. Um, how can our listeners benefit from that? And do you have any stories about well, that outreach? We, we have a, a broad scope of programming, and it really starts with our FIT program. It's called – this is Family and Infant uh, Training Program, and – it's really an early intervention program that starts uh, at birth and goes uh, through the age of three. And these are children who may uh, have been diagnosed or may be suspected of having a developmental delay. Mm -hmm. And so we have an entire staff who all are bilingual of speech therapists, for example, occupational therapists, and they can do in-home assessments. They can serve as a navigator to direct the families uh, to the right resources. And, in fact, we added a position in our early intervention program uh, called a navigator. And this individual not only helps direct uh, families to the right resources and assess the progress of the child, but also holds weekly sessions. And it may be at a public library where uh, these children are engaged with other children who may or may not have a disability, and all kinds of activities from storytelling to reading to music. And in fact, the experience of these kids has been that uh, they fit in so well that they have more in common or more similar traits with children without disabilities than they do differences. Mm -hmm. And indeed, the parents are learning that, in fact, their child, who may have a disability, can be successful at the next level, which would be preschool for mm -hmm. these kids. Mm -hmm. The integration is key. Integration here, is it? key. We are out in the community. We are going to where people live and work. It's all about community integration. And for us, it's all about teaching the skills. So whether it's social skills or life skills or, or skills for activities of daily living so that these kids and adults can be successful at the next level, which is the level you and I enjoy every day. CYO is so excited to have you in the studio. You're passionate about this. This is changing the lives of hundreds of thousands of people, and it's just really cool to be a part of that. 
This is Colorado Issues. We're talking with Doug McNeil of Laredon. And tell me a little bit more, Doug, about the Raleigh House. Raleigh House uh, is a home which we purchased uh, about a year ago. And Raleigh House is another level of service that we provide for individuals that, that uh, again, teach them the skills of community living, community integration, so they can socialize well with neighbors or or go to work or go to programs like Laredon where they can learn new skills that teach them independence, self-direction. Again, different skill sets that allow them to be successful whether uh, whether they're at uh, home and or they're at work. And so we have three individuals. This is a three-bedroom home. Mm-hmm. It's all uh, one level. It's a ranch home in really a, a neighborhood that's being revitalized. And uh, we staff it 24-7. And as we teach these individuals, these adults, new skills, and if they can progress, then the next level for them is actually to be able to move out of that home and perhaps be able to live in a home that offers greater independence with a family. And then if they can successfully achieve that, then perhaps even live in their own apartment. So it's it's a series of graduated steps, mm-hmm. and this three-bed home is one of those early steps that allow people to uh, learn and grow, develop new skills, so they can progressively achieve greater levels of independence in their life and greater levels of making good decisions. Mm-hmm. Now, I know that there are listeners who are hearing this, and their heart is being stirred some way, somehow, thinking, I could donate some time. I could, you know, help one way or another, even if it's just helping teach gardening or something like that at the Raleigh House. I'm not sure. I'm just coming up with ideas off the top of my head. Is that okay with you for volunteers to come in? You know, every nonprofit organization like Laredon needs a core of volunteers. Mm -hmm. And they will find that uh, they're working with sweet human beings, wonderful hearts and souls. And they will learn that we employ over 200 people at Laredon and the staff we employ, I think they're special people. I think they, I think they were wired. They were born to be able to provide services to others above themselves. And it's, I think it's a wonderful quality and not everyone, not everyone has it, Mm -hmm. but we've got a great staff and I think that the volunteer opportunities would be a wonderful experience as they would be able to work in programs. They would be able to go out on uh, excursions because every morning we have over 30 vans and we're headed all across the front range, uh, whether it's going to work, whether it's going to different activities. We could be going to uh, the Museum of Natural Science. Mm -hmm. We could be going to the Denver Zoo. We could be going to parks. Uh, We could go fishing. We could go kayaking. I mean, these are the kinds of activities um, that we engage in and help individuals become more integrated, especially into their home community. And we need volunteers to help us carry off those activities. It's a warm, comfortable setting, and I think people would feel good about the fact that they are contributing to the growth and development of another human being. I don't know if there's anything more rewarding than that. I agree. I agree. So if you're feeling that tug on your heart, I just encourage you to get a hold of Well, again, Deanna, if people are interested in volunteering, uh, they need to contact us. And the easiest way is to contact us is www.laridon, that's L-A-R-A-D-O-N dot org. And, of course, let's talk funding now. 
how are donations being solicited? And also, tell me how the donors are being blessed by what they've given. Well, I think first I'll, I'll answer that question. Donors are being blessed when they come to the campus and see the result of their contribution and how it makes a difference in the lives of not only the kids and the adults we serve, but also the, the growth and development of our staff. Mm. So fortunately, over 60 years ago, Joan Elizabeth Calabrese had the foresight to develop a foundation. And so the Lairdon Foundation exists today as our fundraising arm. And it's important that we have a fundraising arm because our government-funded reimbursement for the kids at the school through the Department of Education and for the early intervention children and the adults through a series of Medicaid waivers that are specific to intellectual and developmental uh, services. So that only uh, encompasses 85% of our revenues. It does not cover our costs. Mm. So in order to cover our costs, and we operate on a break-even model. So we don't have any shareholders. There aren't any owners that are going to get a share of any profits because as a not-for-profit, any surplus of revenue over expense is invested back into the organization. 75 cents out of every dollar goes to salaries and benefits for the staff. So the product that we have at Lairdon is really the people we 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 employ, our staff. Mm-hmm. And so we spend a lot of time investing in the growth and development of our staff, and we need resources to do that. And so the Lairdon Foundation, through annual giving or planned giving opportunities, um, major gift opportunities, donors have um, – pathways, channels to make a difference for children and adults and staff at Lairdon. The holidays are coming up, so again, I want to encourage anyone who is thinking about an end-of-the-year gift to uh, consider Lairdon. We would be very grateful. Doug, thank you for being here on Colorado Issues today. Thank you, Deanna. It's been a pleasure.